everybody, Susan Finch here, your host, as usual, for All Volunteer, All Heart from Binky Patrol. And today, I am introducing you to a new friend of Binky Patrol, Lori Peters, who is the Executive Director for One Spark Academy down in Southern California. And we met Lori because her learning center was the host for the Binkathon in Thousand Oaks with Carolyn Barrett because those two have known each other for many, many years. And it was the perfect place for her to have this event. And after I got to know what One Spark was about, uh, this is the most perfect alliance, Binky Patrol and One Spark, because of both of our philosophies and how it carries through into making this world a better place with a little bit of love, one binky at a time, some kind words, and a little more thought into how we resolve conflict. So Lori, welcome. I'm glad to be here. Thank you very much. Well, I'm glad. I've already enjoyed our visit that we've had and I'm looking forward to many more. Can you give the audience a little background, kind of nutshell it, what One Spark is about? Because I know you're super passionate mm -hmm. and I'm enthralled with it. I love the philosophies. This is what, to me, sets you guys apart. Well, I got into education kind of by accident. I didn't plan to be an educator. I've been an educator now for 29 years. And I I know, I know. I started when I was one. So, <laughs> but I saw some troubling things happening amongst my own peer group. I had a friend who had some trouble through school, started in sixth grade, kind of had this thing in my mind that things kind of go south for a lot of kids in sixth grade. She ended up dying. We lost a lot of friends from our high school. And by the time I went to my 10 year reunion, we had lost, I don't know, maybe eight or nine of our peers. When she died, I decided to go into education. This crazy bolt of lightning hit me and I had no plans. I was actually a pretty lousy student. I wasn't invested in school because I didn't see the reason behind what I was being asked to do. I wanted to connect. So I just wasn't the A student. And so I ended up getting into alternative education. I did my training in an open classroom in Ventura, ended up coming into Thousand Oaks, California, where we are now, and got involved with a wonderful school district, Canea Valley Unified. I was there for 15 years teaching in an alternative program in grades four, five, and six, and running this program, doing all kinds of innovative things that I learned through my alternative teaching program, which is called Open Classroom, or kind of a Montessori based, a little bit of Waldorf in it. And through those 15 years, I really honed in on my own philosophy. And during that time, I also saw a lot of my students go off to middle school and have a difficult time. And it wasn't our program, but we were doing so much hands-on, so much interactive, so much participatory learning, engaged learning, writing scripts, doing things outside the box. And they go to middle school and they would come back to me and tell me stories. They were like almost morose. Some of them got into drugs and they were had a lot of peer pressure. And it's not necessarily the education system. It is putting kids that age into the type of very congested learning environment without the role modeling, without the empathy, without the flexibility to nurture their needs. And so I became super passionate about middle school and I didn't want to go into a regular middle school. So I wrote a charter, a K through eight charter with a group of families that would hope to provide an alternative. 
And we got this charter going. We had it approved through the county. It was a very arduous process. It took a year. Oh my gosh, it was a, it was a really difficult thing. As I was still teaching and I was writing the mm. charter and I was working 18 hours a day and sleeping four hours a night and going through this very demanding and sometimes horrible process of fighting with the district to see this realized. We got it going. I ended up resigning after one year because I realized that the things that I really wanted to do, I couldn't do within the confines of the public school system. And it, for a variety of reasons, not just one, I decided to resign from public education. And also at that time, my father was very ill and I couldn't do it all. And I believed that I couldn't be a good educator unless I filled my cup. So I resigned for that as well. My husband is a tech guy, has his own company. And he basically said, do this, resign, we'll figure it out. And I left into an abyss. And about a month later, I had some of my former students from the charter school approach me and they said, hey, if you're not doing anything next year, why don't we homeschool and you can teach us? And my husband and I were like, well, look at our garage, look at our backyard. And I thought, yeah, that way I could do my love, my passion. I could work with this age group and I could care for myself and my family. And so I went to a local community center and I said, hey, you're open in the afternoons, but during the non-operational time, can we use some classrooms? I had a great relationship with them. They said, sure. We began with seven kids. And oh, the name came out of, it took a year to build this charter school and then three days to create One Spark Academy. And the name came from, my husband asked me, he said, why do you want to do this? And what do you always say? And I said, I always say, I want to find that one thing, that one spark that will ignite their desire to stay focused on education, to stay away from all these other influences. I wanted to find that one spark. He says, call it One Spark Academy. He looked up the URL and he helped me build a website. Actually, he showed me how to do it on WordPress. And we got it going in three days. Started with seven kids at the community center. 13 years later, here we are. We've never had this grand plan of doing all these things. But I mean, you dive in authentically and you say, one child, it's like that starfish poem, right? You can walk down the beach and you could try to save all the starfish and you can't save them all, but you can take a few and you can toss them back in and you can make a difference for that one. It's It's your piece. And I think that's what people use as an excuse a lot of times. Oh, I can't do enough. Why bother? But you've still improved the world. Five kids, three kids, two kids. And they they will grow Mm -hmm. and they will continue. And we talk about ripple effects. We talk about all those visual explanations of what happens when we take a chance on not having to change the world. Don't change the world. We can't, but we can change our community. That's right. We can change something yours. I'm ignorant on this difference in some of the terms you're using. So I understand charter school still has to go under all the rules of a district because it is an official district. It's part of the district. It would follow the district plans. Not necessarily. Okay. So some a charter, a charter school is a public school. 
So a public okay. school receives public funds. So your tax dollars go into I the see. state and the state distributes those funds. A charter school can be authorized under a district or under a county or under the state. So uh, ideally, it would be nice if it was under the district because then the district will be supportive of your program. In our case, our district declined our charter. So we went to the county and they approved our charter. A charter can cause some headaches for a local district. The money has to go somewhere. And so if it's not going into the school district, it's funneling into a charter school. The charter school is bound by the same standards, the same laws, the same direction of the state. Okay. And some states are more charter friendly than others. A charter can be under a particular theory of education, a model of education, a particular focus like an arts, focusing more on arts, but they still are doing all of the fifth grade, sixth grade, eighth grade, whatever the curriculum, the students are taking the state test. And to do that, to prove to the state that you are hitting all those boxes, you will get the funds and the funds are distributed by what's called ADA, which is average daily attendance. So a student has to attend a certain number of days and the state then gives you the money for that student. A particular type of path doesn't work for everyone. And we see that even more now after this pandemic, that some kids thrived, they had the technology, they had the quiet space in which to learn. Other kids didn't have a computer. And so the chasm of what kids know and don't know just, I mean, it exploded, right? It's so wide, but we've always had that. You think about maybe there's a majority of them that fit in that model that are generally within that range of learning on the math level, on the English level. Maybe they have some holes in certain areas and they could be filled in. But then you have a lot of kids who are outliers. Either academically, they're really high in math, really struggle in other areas. They could be outliers socially. They can be outliers in subjects or areas that are not part of a curriculum, like they're dancers or they're gymnasts or they're singers. Quite a lot of people homeschool. And there are different reasons for homeschooling, but many families homeschool simply because they can't have their child in an eight o'clock to three o'clock with afternoons taken up with homework and weekend sports, and then also addressing some really important need that they have. You can also have students that are pulled out of the norm because of the death of a parent right. or an illness or mm -hmm. a seizure disorder, which we have a student right now that couldn't succeed because the student has epilepsy. And so the stress of not being in school created more stress that caused, brought on more seizures. And so the student now is with us. And, and so going back to what makes us different is that even though I see that need of having this umbrella, I also know that students who are homeschooled don't necessarily want to work at home. Right. They, and especially in, in middle school, they're needing a break. And their parents are needing a break from that dynamic. They're starting to separate. So we have this opportunity with OneSpark to provide the reading, the English, the math, all of the academics that the kids might need in a small environment, but also involve super interesting classes because in middle school, they need their brains engaged. They need their yes. hands busy. Oh, so I saw making, your list. 
we're I making the, gardens. We're I cooking. Saw yeah. Your courses. I was like, oh, this is so interesting. It took me back to public school, summer school yeah. when I grew up that was free. And yeah. we got to take all those types of courses. Mm -hmm. We did the academics during the year, but it was so interesting yeah. and it kept us interested in learning and our brains engaged. We didn't know it then, but all through the summer and it kept us with our peers. Yeah. Yeah. And I think and, that and, made a big difference. And the model for us is that we, we don't require, we're not getting any funding. Right. There's not a model for what we do. So, I mean, we want the kids there, but we don't require them to come five days a week. They can come. Some kids come only for our Monday and Wednesday core days. They come for English and math and maybe some enrichment or history. Other kids come Tuesday and Thursday for our science and cooking classes. They're doing their English through another program. Some kids come five days a week. They're full-time kids and they graduate with us and they go on to an area high school. Many of them enter into public high schools and they do great. They go into public high schools and they get involved with sports and clubs and the wonderful things that the high schools offer. There's not that option where we are in middle school. Right. And so if that option exists and, and, it, and kids don't need to come to us, I will be okay with that, but it doesn't exist. Right. And until it does exist, we're going to keep on doing what we're doing because the stories that we have of the kids who end up on our doorstep that have a change that is so marked that parents can't believe what has gone on with their child. We want to do that more because every child deserves that opportunity. I wish it could be free, but it's not. We don't have that place for it, but I can't walk away because I see it every day. I see those little miracles with our teaching team and the kids and the families and every child deserves that. Right. We got to get you some scholarship money. Somebody needs to partner with you to understand the impact this can have on the future and it's what we talked about right at the beginning that way of those what do you have 38 40 kids right now i have 39 that's a lot of impact mm -hmm. going out to several high schools mm -hmm. to begin to find their people and to show because my guess is too we've talked about this the level of confidence they gain in your program because it's safe yeah it's nurturing I'd like to get into a little bit of the philosophy behind it because you and I found an instant connection when we talked about who gets binkies. And for us, the blankets that we make go to those marginalized kids, the ones that are hanging back, the ones that are totally invisible, the ones that are going from house to house and school to school. And they're there some days and there are other days they can't because they have to babysit their siblings or something because their parents are working three jobs and holding it all together. And the kids that have gone through traumas, as you've talked about, the victims of violent crimes, the, where there's, there's crime in the house, where there's violence in the house, where they're being ripped away from their homes, that's who gets binkies. But we're trying to help those kids. There needs to be a way for those kids to get confidence to be strong and to turn it around so that they can learn and excel and move on. And I know your program's not free. It can't be right now. But if to eventually find some kind of scholarship support for you to be able to offer it to other kids as well. Yeah. Wouldn't that be amazing? Yeah. Yeah. And we do partner with some public schools. We have 
a great relationship actually with the district because I'm still in the same area that I taught and where I started a charter school with our founding group. And at that time, 13 years ago, it was not, there was not a lot of understanding. And now I'm friends with all the school board members. I'm friendly with the superintendent of the district. Our program hosts an alternative high school night every year where we bring in all the many schools, maybe eight or nine from various districts around the county that are all public schools, public high schools, so our families can see where to go. We've had families come in that don't have the resources. We do partner enough with a couple of charter schools that they provide some funding because they're homeschool charters. And this is another thing to explain. I don't need think we need to get into it, but some homeschool charters provide some of their ADA, their funding for students to take classes with approved vendors. And so we're an approved vendor with three charter schools and it doesn't cover everything. So, you know, but they can come to us and get some funding for that. And in that way, we're so grateful because those families might not have the resources and it helps at least they can come for some classes. And then some families really struggle, but they prioritize and we should be charging probably twice as much as we're charging. But if we charge too much more than we're charging, I can think right now, eight, nine, 10 families that couldn't pay anymore. Right. And that is a restriction on the families that can pay because you need to have a certain number of kids to offer the classes. So everyone benefits, not only when you have more kids, but when you have a wider pool of students from different socioeconomic backgrounds. And I wish we could do more. I love the inclusivity that you, you're striving for all the time and you're showing the value of it because that is how we all learn to just accept the other humans that we are plunged into life with on a regular basis, learning to be a little more gentle with our fellow man and with ourselves too, as we're navigating all this new stuff new stuff being new relationships, hormones, more pressure on educating, you know, elementary school is a breeze. Now it's hard. I have to study. I didn't have to before. It was so easy before I was the top one, my elementary school and in middle school, I can't ever talk to the teacher. I can't do this. And we, you and I had talked about as well was their ability to learn how to advocate mm-hmm. for themselves. And I was really grateful. Our kids went to a K through eight and because they were in that school so many years, it's the same parent volunteers where they're constant. Mm-hmm. The confidence they had seeing familiar parents at that time in the schools, a lot of them since that whole group ended up with the couple of economy downturns, had to go get jobs, could not have a flexible schedule, had to be a nine to five, and we didn't see them as much. But the ones that had that, I watched them all learn how to communicate with their teachers, communicate with adults, communicate with the principal, not as a peer, but as a child of confidence, feeling safe to ask, feeling safe to question. And they learned how to do it respectfully. It's a huge part of our program, communication. It is. You were telling me a story the other day, and I'm wondering if you could share with the audience about the conflict resolution, because that is where I look at some of the kids that receive our blankets and they're so tight. They're so holed up and on the defense, ready to just spew out those porcupine quills. 
because they're protecting themselves constantly. They don't hear anybody around them and they aren't willing to communicate softly, clearly, concisely step back from the emotion. You had a great story and I would love it if you could share that. I'm trying to think of what particular ah, story. It was the two boys that got into a pretty big conflict and it took a couple of hours that the one really wanted to fix oh, it. Oh yeah. Just a brief overview of what we do is, and I've always done this ever since I was starting to teach. And I would do this in my classroom in elementary school. We'd have what's called circle. Sit, it's classroom meeting. If you follow William Glasser's philosophy or NVC, nonviolent conflict resolution. For us, it's also just called circle where you're in a circle on the floor or in a chair and you're taking turns, right? It's a very basic idea of communication. This idea that you're going to listen ears, eyes to each other. And it's a practice. It's that time committed to just being heard and hearing and hearing with your eyes, your ears, your heart. And whatever the topic could be, we're still applying the same practice. So we have a little bit less time now because we have this pretty structure. I don't have the same kids every day. Some kids are only there for circle one day a week. Some are there four days. We do it Monday through Thursday for 15 minutes. I call the kids into a room. We have a big area that's set up for our circle, sit on the floor. We used to sit on chairs when we were at the community center. We'd have to stack the chairs and put them away and build the circle. But now we just sit on the floor. And, and for the most part, I tell the kids, if unless you're injured, if, if you can't sit on the floor, don't sit on the floor. I'm not going to question it. But if you can, you do what you can to sit because it's good for you. And our topics will range from why we ask the kids to put away their cell phones, why we focus on mental health, sugar. I mean, we talked about the impact of sugar on their brains, safety, empathy, all these different things. But mostly it's that practice of hearing someone and hearing them completely all the way through. And then you respond or you don't respond. And it's also eliminating the need for tribal behaviors, such as when someone is starting to say something and you're like, yeah, yeah. Or someone is saying something you don't agree with. You're like, you're shaking your head and you're saying, no, no, or you're laughing. And so we'd look at that communication. It's not just verbal, but all those things. So let me go to the story now. I have these two students and one of them has difficulty with impulse control and also can get very angry kind of dish it out, but can't take it, doesn't realize their own strength. So these two students were going to be working in the same room together. And I had no idea that there had been an issue, but I guess in the Gaga pit where they play pretty rough, there was an issue and one had pushed the other along with a few other people. They had been pushing each other and not in a bad way, but just trying to get the ball. And one, this one student took it a little bit too personally. So we went into this room, we were going to study together. And the student said, I'm not going in there with that student. And I'm like, what happened? And he said, I hate him. And I said, mm, let's talk for a minute. That's a really strong word. It's a really strong emotion. Why do you feel that way? And he started to tell me what's going on. He said that the student was pushing and I just, I'm so angry. And I said, okay. So this other student was over there and this student's very reactive. And the student has been in circle now since August. 
And we've seen the changes happening. And I was thinking that this student was going to come over and just say the defense. I didn't. You know, you're wrong. You did this and go back. So I pulled the student out and I said, as you can see, something went on. He's really angry. And I thought maybe you could find out what he's angry about. And so this student, without missing a beat, said, why are you angry? Why do you feel anger? And so I was going, oh my gosh, I mean, that's a big step. And the student said, you know what's going on. And he said, I don't know. And I don't know how to respond unless you tell me. Ooh. And I, I could feel myself going, oh, please just keep it going. And so this other student started to explain about the pushing and everything else. And I said, wait, it sounds like other people were involved here. And he said, yes, there was other people, but he was doing it most. And I said, well, it gets a little muddy when other things are happening and maybe you've just filled your cup up and you can't take any more. And so he came in and did something that just pushed it over the edge. And maybe it wasn't just him. And maybe you're having a hard day, right? And so he started going back and saying, I am having a hard day. I had this thing happen this morning. And it just, I mean, this was over, it wasn't over a couple of hours, but it ended up resolving itself within a couple of hours because these boys ended up working together. And the other boy, the boy that was originally said the word hate, he started to well up in tears. And the one that was there just expressed empathy. He just stood in that space with him and listened and recognized that he wasn't feeling he needed to give more. And this is something we also talk about in circle is that some days you're going to have to give a little bit more because you're going to recognize someone doesn't have anything left to give. Mm. And so he just took it in and he said, I am really sorry. I didn't realize I did that. Are you okay? And they started just unpacking it. And I said, you guys ready to go in and and learn, do your study session? And he said, yeah. And I walked back in there in an hour and a half, they were playing hangman. So I talked to the parents and I, cause this one boy that had done this, this was a big step for him too. And recognizing, I walked over to him, I pulled him aside and I said, you just did. I'm gonna get emotional. I am right now. <laughs> I said, what you just did just showed how much you've learned because it took a lot of courage and strength for you to stand there and listen to him. And I told his parents, made a big deal. This student ended up, we had a big feast on Friday and the student's never gotten up in front of a crowd to do anything. And he, his dad was there and he got up to the mic. He said, I want to say something to the group. We had like 70 people there. I want to say something. I said, okay, as soon as I'm done eating. And he got up and he said, I want to say thank you to all of the teachers and the parents that are here and all the stuff, his dad started crying, but he was sitting next to that boy at the table. He's oh. all, my, all my friends. I mean, I'm seeing these little miracles of look what's going on in the world with all this war. And one of the things we often say in our circles is my alumni come back and they said, if everyone had circle, sat down for circle every day, we would have world peace. So, <laughs> but wow. I have, I have those little stories that little miracles happen when you create the space for people to be humans and be imperfect and kind of think about what they're saying and doing. Wow. 
It is that simple. It actually, I mean, world peace actually is that simple of a concept. Mm -hmm. It's wanting, I want for you to be happy. And even if I'm not happy with my place, I am happy enough that I can want that for you. And if we're all doing that, then we don't want to destroy <laughs> relationships, people, you know, places, things that all we of have. Them. Right. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> I know I brought you on to talk about your Binky Patrol event, but man, <laughs> this was a powerful episode and I'm going to just let it sit right here. We will come back to talk about that event because I can already hear what the impact was and how much those kids must have enjoyed it because the students in your care understand the impact that a blanket can have on those invisible kids because they know how it feels on those bad days and they know how it would help. And I am so glad we've met. I want more people to know about the way you teach the opportunities that are available guys you got to be down a thousand oaks but it's mm -hmm. still if you're down there you need to know about one spark academy for your upcoming middle school students if they need it if they need it if they need if they it they want it they don't all need it because sometimes no, the public schools are perfect sometimes you know whatever schools you go perfect. to are a good fit yeah yeah but when it's and, not, and i i don't really try to sell it no. i don't advertise i don't compete we are there and we're pretty much word of mouth but we're a doorstep for the families that have the resources, unfortunately, some resources to find us and resources to at least pay for the classes that if they're not getting funded from right. a charter school, it's not part of that. But sometimes kids have come with, to us just for a year and then they go back and I'm good with whatever is the best place for a child. Because a well-adapted child, a child who is learning and staying away from the influences that can really harm them and their community, if a child can stay engaged and civically minded and embrace their place in the world and be helpful and kind, that's the kind of adult I want to live with. Yes. It's not just now. I picture the kind of adults and the human beings I want to engage with, the kind of doctors I want to have treating me and my loved ones, the kind of lawyers and the kind of politicians and the kind of people working to solve climate change, all of these things. It has to start right now right? with people who care enough about themselves and others to do something helpful with the world. So that's my part. It's looking down the... You asked me to think about where I wanted to be in five years. Yes. Like, I just want to keep doing this enough so that those kids have a really great on-ramp to adulthood and oh. make choices that are not based on greed or harm. They make choices that are helpful for everybody, or at least for groups of people. They're lifting up, they're pulling the hands up and putting the blankets down, right? So <laughs> as a soft yeah. place to land. Right. Those are the kind of people I want to surround myself with. So in a very selfish way, <laughs> oh, my team that. and I are creating that light. You just flick it on and let it glow. That's how I feel. Oh, thank you. Everybody, you can learn more and get inspired more at <laughs> onesparkacademy.org. You can find this in all our other episodes at binkypatrol.show or in your favorite podcast apps. 
you can learn more at binkypatrol.org. We hope you'll listen, share this episode, like, review, subscribe, all of that, because you never want to miss a conversation that we're having with people that are working to make the world a better place a little bit at a time. Thank you so much, Lori. It was a pleasure having you. Thank you so much, Susan. It was great. I appreciate you having me on.